Welcome to worship. I'm so glad you're here with us today. My name is Sheila and I'll be your host for this online worship experience. If this is your first time joining us, we wanna give you a very special welcome. If you'll check in with us and provide an email address, we'll be more than happy to send you a Starbucks gift card this week and the coffee is on us. This is week two of our sermon series, Rest. Pastor Spencer has a great message just ahead for us. And speaking of the sermon, you'll find sermon discussion questions and more online at schweitzer.church next. And now, here's Corey with our announcements. Hello and welcome to Schweitzer Church. I'm Corey Lucivo, Director of Connections. It's a new month and we have so many great ways for you to get connected, starting with tonight. We hope you'll join us for our night of worship led by our modern worship team at 6.30 p.m. Continuing this week, we have two Lent studies with our book discussion on Sabbath happening on Monday nights and our video-based study called Poverty Cure happening on Wednesday nights, both at 6.30. These are both incredible ways to dive deeper into your faith and community. This Saturday, March 11th, all guys are invited out to Circle Z Ranch for coffee and a devotional starting at 8 a.m. From there, we'll head out to Chadwick for a hike starting at 9 a.m. Let us know you'll be there at the Blue Booth today or at schweitzer.church guys. And ladies, on Saturday, March 18th from 9 to 11 a.m., we hope you'll take five with us as you'll spend time together learning a special five-minute prayer challenge that you can use in every area of your lives. Find out more and sign up today at schweitzer.church women. The next day, on Sunday, March 19th, we will have a special prayer service focusing on the healing power of forgiveness, beginning at 5 p.m. in the Schweitzer Student Center. As you can tell, Schweitzer is an active place with even more on our calendar. We encourage you to pick up a copy of the Schweitzer Spark to learn more about what's happening all around our campus. You can also sign up for our Schweitzer e-news that goes out weekly featuring news and other opportunities. You can sign up today on the homepage of our website or at the Blue Booth. Once again, thank you so much for being here today. Now, let's continue in worship. Thanks, Corey, for those great announcements. We want to remind you that if you're interested in joining us for any or all of those great events, you can find more information online at schweitzer.church next. If you're joining us live today, we invite you to join in the chat. Say hello to your friends and give us your insights. If you have a special prayer request that you'd like to share, we have someone waiting for you in the prayer room. Just click that button and we'll be right with you. And now, let's continue in worship. With a thousand tongues to lift one cry Then north and south and east 
As we come to this time of prayer, I invite you to join me as we go to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Holy God, we praise you for who you are. You are amazing and awesome, and we thank you for all the gifts that you have given to each one of us. God, sometimes we fail to observe those gifts and use them to glorify you and to share goodness with others. We become slaves to habits that are not pleasing to you and that are time-wasting. And, and God, we ask you to inspire us to observe the Sabbath. Help us to find rest in our busy, chaotic lives and help us to just take a breath and get away from the ways of the world, just to focus on you and your goodness, to refresh and renew, and just to be prepared to share joy with others as we go through this daily life. Holy God, now we want to pray together the prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to this time of offering, I'm so excited to share with you about one of the many ministries that happens here at Schweitzer Church. Our Grow to Know Preschool touches so many young lives and not just the kids that they serve, but their families as well. These kids grow in their faith, in their development. They have fun together, and they utilize the entire church campus here at Schweitzer. And it's because of your help that this preschool is made possible. Thank you so much for supporting these ministries at Schweitzer. And I want to remind you that you can give by going to schweitzer.church give. And now, here's Pastor Spencer with week two of our sermon series, Rest.
Well, friends, welcome today. So glad that you're here with us. My name is Spencer. Today is part two of a six-week series called Rest. This is a series for anyone who's stretched too thin, overscheduled, hurried, busy, uh, extended into too many places. This is a, a series where for six weeks we are exploring the biblical teaching of the Sabbath. Now, you, you may not know this, but the Sabbath is all over the Bible. There's almost 200 references to it in the scripture. And so as we're reading through this, we're, we're seeing so many places where, where the Bible teaches us this rich, deep, meaningful uh, teaching around the Sabbath. And, and, we, and we miss this sometimes. I mean, I've, I've missed this. I, I've been a student of the Bible for, for years, and my life's work is to teach the people of God the Word of God. And yet, and yet I've missed how much the Bible teaches on the Sabbath. It's almost like when you start to have eyes to see something and you, you begin to see it everywhere. It's like if you buy a car and all of a sudden you see the same car everywhere. That's kind of what it's like when you have eyes to see it. The Sabbath is all over the Bible. But we don't know this and a lot of us have, have missed this because the Sabbath isn't something that modern American Christians spend a lot of time thinking about. I mean, except for how Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. This is just not something we spend a lot of time uh, thinking about. I mean, when was the last time you spent some time thinking about the Sabbath? Or when was the last time you heard a sermon on the Sabbath? And don't count last week. I mean, it's probably been a while because this is just not something that modern American Christians spend a lot of time with. But I have this wild theory that's driving the series that um, the Sabbath is something that modern American Christians desperately, desperately need to recover. It's, it's something that we need to rediscover. It's something we need to be thinking about again. It's something that, that we need. And not just about what we can do or not do one day a week, because that's really not what the Sabbath is about. It's, it's really a whole different approach to how we pace our lives and live our lives and, and how we can live our lives in a different kind of pace than that the world teaches us. And so when you get past the legalism and get past the rules of you can do this or you can't do that, you really start to see that the Sabbath is not a, a burdensome commandment. It's, it's really an invitation to a different way of life that so few people find. And so today, this is part two. We're going to look at the Ten Commandments, specifically the Fourth Commandment. And uh, the Fourth Commandment, we're going to go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5. The Fourth Commandment, we're going to walk through this really slowly, just kind of word by word as we go through this, phrase by phrase, because the, this Fourth Commandment has so much to teach us, so much so much to teach us about this uh, rich, life-giving thing of Sabbath. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, here is the Fourth Commandment. It says this. It says, observe, or translate that as keep, practice, um, honor, uh, uh, pay special attention to, says, so, so, so observe, keep, practice the Sabbath. Now, Sabbath doesn't mean Sunday or it doesn't mean Saturday. The Sabbath means, the he, literal Hebrew word means stop. So you could start here. We could say observe a stop day. That's kind of what it is. Observe a stop day. Uh, literally, that's what this means. And you do this by um, keeping the Sabbath, keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. So let's remember last week. Last week we started Genesis chapter 2, seventh day of creation. And what we learned there was that the very first thing that the Bible calls holy, the first time that word holy is used in the Bible, it's used to describe the Sabbath. Now the biblical idea of, of holy, what it means is to be set apart, to be different, to be unique. And so once a week we have this day that is unlike every other day. It's a, it's a day that is set apart. It's, it's holy. And so traditionally we spend it on things like worship and family time and rest and being able to re recharge. It's a, it's a different kind of, a different kind of day. Now, also as we go through this, I want you to notice that um, as we read this fourth commandment, 
I want you to notice how positive this fourth commandment is. In fact, this is out of the Ten Commandments. This one and, and honor your father and mother, those two are the only two commandments that are in, spoken in a positive way. They're, they're not negative in terms of don't do this, don't do that. It's, it's a positive thing. Now, some people take the Sabbath to be a negative, but here's all the things I can't do. But, but really, as we read this, this is a, a, positive, day, a positive thing of a, of a day that you, you keep holy. So we observe the Sabbath day, but keeping it holy. Keep reading here, verse 13. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. So Sabbath keeping is not about being lazy. I want you to hear that. It's not about being lazy. In fact, if you read the Bible, especially the Proverbs, uh, you're going to learn that being industrious and working hard is a key biblical attribute. It's a, it's a good thing. It's the fool who is lazy. Sloth is a sin. But uh, working hard is, is, is key to faithful biblical living. But what the Sabbath teaches us is that work is not all that there is. So six days a week, you work hard. Um, but the seventh day, it says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a stop day to the Lord your God. And on it, you shall not do any, any work. Now, this has always been a bit of a question. Shall not do any work. What, is, what does that mean? Because we've all already had one week in this series, and I've already had several people stop me and ask, okay, so the Sabbath is about not doing work. So does that mean I can't? And then like fill in the blank with this thing that someone wants to do. So I mean, I can't, you know, X, Y, or Z. And, and, and we start to think about this, like, okay, so I'm not supposed to do any work, so does that mean I can't do this? And as soon as we start asking this question, okay, so if I keep the Sabbath, does that mean I can't? As soon as we start asking that question, we're asking the wrong question. That's the question of legalism. And as soon as we start asking that question, it's the, it's the wrong question. But we also have a long history of asking the wrong question. The ancient rabbis had 39 different categories of what you could or could not do on the Sabbath, these, these ways that they described work. In our own country, we had what we call blue laws that limited which businesses could be open on Sunday. And it's, it's a legalistic approach to this. It's about, you know, what is it that I can or cannot do on the Sabbath when really the Sabbath is about so much more than just this, 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 this legalism. So whenever we start asking ourselves, okay, so what is work? Is this work? Is that work? We're asking ourselves the wrong question. Now, there traditionally are some best practices that people do or don't do on the Sabbath. I mean, traditionally, generally, what people think about the Sabbath is we are thinking about those things that refresh us and recharge us and help us to feel uh, and, and do things that are different in our life. That's, that's really what the Sabbath is about. So a lot of people emphasize, of course, worship. It's a key part of Sabbath keeping is that we worship. We worship together with other people. Uh, for, for a lot of people, Sabbath is about, is about connecting with people, especially, especially family. It's about taking time to rest and, and maybe have unstructured time in your, in your day with people, other people that, uh, that help you reconnect and recharge. Uh, last week, I was talking to a, a person in our church who told me that a few years ago, she and her family started to take Sabbath seriously. And so for them, what that meant was they would come to worship as a family. They would worship together. But then after that, they would spend time together. So no screen time for them. Now they have teenagers. And she said, this was like a push. I mean, it's been a pushback all, all the time for their family that there's no screen time on Sunday afternoons because they're going to spend this time together. Now, she makes exceptions to that because it's not legalistic. And so she says, you know, if we're going to watch a movie together, you know, we can make an exception. Or specifically, what she said is we can watch a Chiefs game together. But it's, it's about being together. And that's the, that's the idea here is that we're finding these ways to connect with people. We're finding these ways to set apart time that is spent on the most important things in life. And so, you know, we six days, we, we don't work. 
keeps going here. It's not just that we don't work. The Bible says, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox or donkey or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. I know lots of people who, when they keep the Sabbath, they choose to not spend money. Their reason for this is, why should I have a day of rest while someone else is having to work? This is, I think, the idea of Chick-fil-A. Like, I'm going to close so everyone can enjoy this, this day of Sabbath. And then comes verse 15. If you're reading from your Bibles, underline verse 15. This is the reason for the Sabbath. This is so important. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So this is the fourth commandment. And uh, I have a question about the fourth commandment that I don't have an answer for. I'm not sure if there is an answer for this, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. But here's my, my question about the fourth commandment. Why is it that of, out of all the Ten Commandments, this is the only commandment that we don't take seriously? Why is that? I, like I said, I don't have an answer for this. I don't know if there is an answer for this, but it's just, I don't understand it. I don't understand how there are these Ten Commandments, but for whatever reason, this fourth commandment is one that we kind of set aside as old-fashioned or irrelevant. It's something we discount. It's not something we really think about. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I look at the, the Ten Commandments here, and I think the fourth commandment in particular, it's the longest of the Ten Commandments. I mean, and not by a little bit, but by a whole lot. It's the longest of the Ten Commandments, and yet we don't listen to it. It's the, like more words are devoted to the Ten Commandment, to the fourth commandment, than any of the others, and yet we kind of discount this. And then I think about how like logically inconsistent it is for us to discount the fourth commandment. I mean, we, we listen to the other ones. Do not murder. Yeah, that's a good way to live. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Uh, honor your parents. Has generational kind of honoring. Uh, do not covet. Like, these are all good things. And we, we honor those things. We, we get that these are key to having a good life that doesn't harm others, doesn't harm ourselves. But, but then when it comes to the fourth commandment, we just kind of set it aside as, as not relevant anymore. And that's just logically inconsistent because if you're going to treat the other nine commandments as still valid, then certainly the fourth commandment should be valid as well, right? I mean, that's just, that's just logical. And then I really don't get it because when it comes to the fourth commandment, like I don't, I don't get why we don't pay attention to this and don't, don't, don't keep this because let's just be honest, this is the best commandment. <laughs> I mean, this is a commandment from God to take a day off. And, and for whatever reason, we set it aside as if it's, if it's, it's irrelevant or old fashioned, but like this is the very best commandment. So I, I don't know why we do this. I, like I don't, I don't get it. I don't have an answer for this, but it's strange to me that we don't take this commandment seriously. And it's alarming to me then when I consider why we have this fourth commandment. Now, I don't know if you're paying attention or not, but as we read through this fourth commandment, the rationale for it, was given in this commandment. And this is unique amongst the Ten Commandments. There's a reason for this. And the reason for this is, is right here in the commandment. So I don't know if you're paying attention or not, but here was verse 15. I'm going to read it again. Here's why we keep this commandment. It says, Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day and so what we have here is we have the Sabbath day and we keep this because the old way of life is slavery. The old way of life is slavery. Now here's something about the Bible that you may not know. 
A little trivia for you here, but there are two sets of Ten Commandments in the Bible. Do you know that? A little trivia for you. Maybe you learned something at church today. There's two sets of Ten Commandments in the Bible. Um, the first set of the Ten Commandments, and they're, they're, they're not different. I mean, there's slight difference, slight word differences that are in between these two commandments, but they're not different. It's the same list of Ten Commandments, but you find them in two different places in the Bible. The first place you find them, Exodus 20, is where most people go when they think about the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20 is, is, is on Mount Sinai, where uh, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai. This is right on the heels of the Red Sea parting and the people of Israel coming out of slavery in Egypt. And Moses goes up on the mountain. He gets the Ten Commandments. He comes down. This is what we, the story we know as, as he's up there. And that's what happens in Exodus chapter 20. What's interesting in Exodus chapter 20 is that when we have those Ten Commandments, the rationale for the fourth commandment is different than it is in Deuteronomy 5, the second list of the Ten Commandments. And it's not different like a little bit. It's like significantly different. Why you should keep the fourth commandment is significantly different in Exodus 20. So let me read it to you why, why you should do this. It's Exodus 20, verse 11, the rationale for the fourth commandment. Here it is. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. And then it goes on to say, therefore, keep the Sabbath day holy, just like it does in Deuteronomy but in Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments here, the reason we keep the Sabbath is because God rested. So because God rested, therefore we rest. The great Bible scholar Walter Brueggemann, he, he comments on this and he has this great line I want to read to you. It's, it's so wise, it's so good. He says, how is it that a covenantal work stoppage bears witness to the self-disclosing God? In other words, um, why is it that not working teaches us something about who God is? He goes on and says this. His answer is great. He says, the answer is given in the motivational clause. We just read it. Exodus 20, verse 11. Israel rests because God rests. And this God, he goes on, he says, is not a workaholic. Yahweh has no need to be more secure, more sufficient, more in control, or more noticed. So Exodus 20. You rest because God rests. And God doesn't need more, and so therefore, you don't need more. So that's Exodus 20, the first set of the Ten Commandments. But the other set of Ten Commandments comes in Deuteronomy 5. And that's what we read as we started today. That's what we worked our way through. And Deuteronomy 5 takes place about 40 years after Sinai, after Mount Sinai. After Moses gets those, those tablets, we have um, the second set. And the name Deuteronomy um, in the Bible, what it means is second law. And you can kind of hear that in the word Deutero. It means second so it's the second law. And what that really means is that, is that Moses is, is reminding the people of the law once again, of the covenant that God has made. He's reminding them of this once again. And so Deuteronomy takes place at the end of their desert wanderings. They're about to cross, the people of Israel about to cross over the Jordan River. And if you remember, Moses doesn't go with them into the promised land across the Jordan. That's Joshua who leads them. And so at this point in Moses' life, he's very old and he's led them for a long time. And he gathers the people together and he's reminding them again of the law. This is the second law. It's like his last speech. He's trying to remind them of all these things that are very important and, and this is things to remember. And so as he does this, he comes to these 10 commandments and as he gives this fourth commandment, he has a different rationale than he did for the first time we read it in Exodus chapter 20, 40 years ago. So in Exodus, we rest because God rests. In Deuteronomy, we rest because, quote, one more time, you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord God has brought you out of this with his mighty hand and outstretched arms. So we keep the Sabbath 
because we used to be slaves, but now the Lord has delivered us. Very different rationale. Now, I don't know why Moses changes it. I have no idea. It's all speculation here, but I, I wonder, does, does maybe, maybe, I don't know, speculation, maybe Moses changes it, the rationale here, because, you know, he's getting older and uh, this was 40 years ago. And so maybe he has a hard time remembering what was said 40 years ago. And he's just thinking to himself, as long as I can get close, I don't think anyone's going to notice. <laughs> or, or, or maybe, and, and probably much more likely, uh, the reason why Moses changes it is that he sees something in the people of Israel that reminds him of their old mentality of what they were like when they were enslaved. Like there's something about the old mentality that maybe is starting to, to show back up. And so, you know, Moses, again, this is all speculation, but I just wonder if Moses, if he doesn't see something kind of coming back into them, that he needs to remind them of the new way of life, that they don't live in the old way. They live in this new way of life. Life lived in the covenant with God, not as slaves in Egypt. Because think about life as a slave. It's all about work, right? For the Israelites, it was about this. Make bricks, make bricks, make bricks, make bricks, make bricks. Day after day after day, make bricks. Week after week, year after year, generation after generation, make bricks. There's no weekends, there's no vacations, there's no retirements, there's no, no, no break here. It's just all you do is you just make bricks with no rest. I mean, their, their value, their worth was quite literally measured and, and tied up into what they produced. I mean, the life of a slave was just this, work, 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 work. And when your life is just work, 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 it makes me wonder, what does that do to you as a person? What does that teach you? about what is important in life. Just work, 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 work. How, how do you not come to see that, that life is ultimately then about what I produce and what I make and what I earn and what I achieve? How do you not come to see it in that kind of way? And so, so I end up, because of this, I end up maybe taking on more work. This is because this is what I'm taught. It's just that it's work, 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 work. And so I, start, I, I try to take on more work where I start to take, solve more problems, right? I, I try to get even more done. And, and, and honestly, a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of people live their life with this kind of, this kind of understanding that, that the recipe for success is just more work. And I can't help but think, really, that mentality, the recipe for success being more work, honestly sounds more like the recipe for burnout than it does for success. I mean, burnout comes when, when you stretch yourself too thin. You try to do too much. You take too much responsibilities on your shoulders. You try to make too much happen. You, you're too focused on what I do and or what I can do or what I can accomplish. And it's too focused on what I, I can achieve. And I try to solve problems or sometimes I try to solve people. And I try to take on things that aren't even mine to solve. And I just can't help but think that when burnout happens, we lose touch with what life is really about. We lose touch with, with what life is supposed to be lived with. And I especially think about how this affects families and children 
when we start to to make life about work and about achievement, about production, about earning, I, I just can't help but think, what what difference does that make on children? Recently, I I was reading some some studies. There's a lot of studies that are done about how uh, today's children are being raised in in settings with far less free time and far less unstructured time than they were in generations past. In fact, I read a statistic that 85% of parents think to themselves that that scheduled activities like sports and clubs are the key to success in their children's life. And when I read that, I can't help but think to myself, make bricks, make bricks, make bricks, make bricks. How are we not teaching ourselves that this is what life is really about? It's about achieving. It's about earning. It's about production. It's about accomplishment. It's about work, 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 work. And so maybe Moses, again, speculation, but maybe Moses sees some of this that's starting to resurface in the people of Israel. He's reminding them, no, 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 no. That was the old life. When you were slaves in Egypt, the new life lived in relationship with the Lord. It's not like that because now you've been set free. In the New Testament, uh, slavery is a big metaphor for what life is like outside of knowing Jesus. Um, let me just give you a, an example of, of how this is, is written. This is Romans chapter 6. The Apostle Paul, he writes this, um, starting in verse 11. Paul writes, um, he says, Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign, or you can think about this in, in terms of rule. Do not let sin tell you what to do. So do not let sin tell you what to do in your mortal body, so that you obey, listen to the language here, obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under law, but under grace. And then skip to verse 17. He writes, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, You've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin. This is the new way of life in Jesus. And the language of the gospel is that we were held in slavery and bondage to the ways of this world, to this old way of life. But through Jesus Christ, we've been set free. And yet we all know, I mean, this freedom that we have in Christ, and not just freedom when we die and go to heaven, but this freedom we have right now in our lives, there's always a struggle, the struggle of, of fighting off that old way of life. Yes, we might have this freedom in Christ, but there's always this struggle to be pulled back into this old way of life. There's this old metaphor that's helpful in picturing what this struggle is like, and this isn't my metaphor. This is a very old metaphor. I've heard it several times, but you've heard it before as well. But you can imagine, um, imagine that you're renting a house and uh, your landlord that you're renting from is just absolutely terrible. Uh, something breaks in, in your house and he doesn't just not fix it. He blames you for it and charges you extra for, for something that breaks and comes in at all times of the day, not knocking, not asking for permission, just comes in and he, he demands sometimes extra, extra payments and uh, he bullies you and he threatens you with legal action if you're going to you know, push back on him. He's just a terrible, terrible landlord and you stay stuck in this situation for, for a long time because this is just what you know. And you don't have anywhere else to go. And so you just keep paying what he asks and demands and you keep putting up with his bullying behavior and this is just how it is. But then eventually you find a new place to live. So you go rent another house and your new landlord, oh, he's great. He treats you with respect, gives you freedom, 
He actually even paid off the debts to the old landlord. I mean, he's great. He fixes things. He comes through. He's true to his word. But then one day in your new house, the old landlord shows back up and he's knocking at the door and he's demanding to be let in. And he says, you owe him money. And, and you've got this temptation inside of you because you're afraid. So your, your habit is, well, I should just pay him off because that's what I used to do. But the truth is now you're not obligated to him. You're, you're set free from that relationship. You don't have to go back to the old way of life. Like this is what Jesus does is he sets us free from the old patterns of life. He sets us free to this new way of living. We don't have to be tormented anymore by this. And so there was a way of life that all of us lived before we knew Jesus. That's the way of the world. It's the way of the world that, uh, that gives us a pattern of life that distracts us. It's a way of the world that teaches us values that are actually harmful. It's the way of the world that tells us that life is really about something when God says it's about something else. It's the way of the world that leads us away from a full and abundant life that we find in Jesus. And all of us followed its ways at one time. But what Jesus has done is he has set us free to live in a new path, a new pattern, in a new way. And so as we think about this this way of the world is the way of the world to tell us that you know life is about work, it's about production, it's about how we compare ourselves to others, it's about how we always want more, it's about how we're never satisfied. And so we're always learning and yearning for, for, for more, whereas the way of Jesus is inviting us into a life of rest, a life of peace, a life of contentment, a life of joy. And this brings us back around to the fourth commandment. Honor the Sabbath day. This is a commandment that not many of us think much about, Probably most of us have thought of it as being irrelevant or old-fashioned, not something that we really need to pay attention to today. And all the while, we just keep following these patterns of this world because maybe, just maybe, we desperately need to rediscover this fourth commandment, this invitation of Sabbath. Because the practice of Sabbath, it's not just about what you do one day a week. It's about not conforming to the old patterns of life. It's about finding this new freedom to live in a different way where you're reminded that life is not really about what I produce and what I earn and what I achieve, how I compare to others, and what I get done. But what life is really about, it's about relationship. It's about relationship with the Lord. It's about relationship with people around us. And so we're invited to practice the Sabbath because we used to be slaves in Egypt, but the Lord has come to rescue us. This is the invitation. It's the invitation to live in a new pattern of life. Let's pray together. Father, today as we um, read this fourth commandment, this one that so many of us just dismiss, we just discredit, we set it aside, it's old-fashioned, irrelevant, it's not something we really think about anymore, but in reality, Father, we need to rediscover this. There's so many ways that we find ourselves living in the patterns of our old life, to slavery, to the ways of this world, we compare ourselves to others. We, we don't pay attention to the people around us. We, we, we find ourselves working so much that we uh, lose ourselves. We find ourselves heading towards more and more burnout instead of more and more life. And Father, you, what you have for us is an invitation to be set free from the patterns of this world in order to find a new way in Christ. And so Jesus, first of all, we just want to thank you that what you do for us is you give us a new way to live. And so for anyone here who, who, who's with us and doesn't know this life in Christ, the freedom to be set free, today we just want to offer a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me my sin? Would you lead my life? Would you lead my life? Lead me to a different way of living, a different pattern, different values, a different approach to life that isn't just about 
work, 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 and making more and more things done. But, but Lord, it's really about a life that's lived in relationship with you, with your values given for us. So Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have set us free. Help us now to, to begin to live in a different pattern, a different way, to intentionally be thinking about how this pattern in our life can get reflected as we embrace a life of rest, a life of relationship. It's an invitation to a new thing in Jesus that we are given. So God, we give you thanks. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray today. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today for worship. We want to thank the worship team. We want to thank Corey for his announcements and especially Pastor Spencer for his great message today. If you know someone who might benefit from this message, we invite you to share it on social media. Thank you so much for doing that. And now we invite you back next week for week three of our sermon series, Rest. Have a great week. Fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood, mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great. And on with cruel hate On earth is not his Spirit and the gifts are ours 
through him who with the sign the goods and kindred gold. 